I've learned this about life. The first step to being unhappy is trying to please everybody else. I mean, what's the point of gaining the world's approval if that game means you lose yourself? It doesn't add up. So why do we care so much about the opinions of others that could care less about us? I care so much to be liked, and why? Just to impress people who could care less about my life? Just to impress people who magnify my flaws, judge my imperfections as if mistakes aren't a part of us all? As if we all never fail? We all struggle. And it doesn't make you better because you hide yours well. It doesn't make you better because you act like you got it together. Because we both know if your walls could talk, they would say something different than what you let the world see. So crucify me, shame my name, pick me apart, but I'm through fearing your commentary because only God can judge me. And that's not an excuse, that's the truth. But will you understand that hating on others only means you aren't working on you? Work on who you are, because that's the person you're responsible for. And exposing someone else's battles won't do a thing to help you win your war. Giving pain won't heal yours, and it's crazy that it's imperfect people who we pretend to be perfect for, who we hide our purpose for, because we're so afraid to be labeled fake. Take it from me. Just because you made some past mistakes doesn't mean your future can't be great. Believe that. Ignore that hate. God forgives and that's a fact. And to the people criticizing someone else's path, well, I guess you forgot where God met you at. I guess you forgot that you got a past too. But don't you forget this. God is my final judge, not you. I'm not here to live for you. I'm not here to please you. So if you get high off of making other people feel low, then feel free, pick me apart. Because at the end of the day, your opinions, your hate, your criticism can't stop this purpose because God knows my heart. Can't no hater stop God's favor. Remember that. It all starts with you. It's rehab time. Let's get it. God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. God is so good. Uh, good morning. I am the associate pastor here over Go in student ministries. My name is Scott Swanstrom, and I am just thrilled to be here with you this morning. Um, I first wanted to kick things off uh, just to kind of tell you, I have gotten most of my theology through being a parent. Uh, I have learned a lot and seen things through God's eyes and, and how he views things through parenting three amazingly awesome and incredibly different children. And one of the statements, even if you don't have kids and maybe you grew up in a multiple sibling household, you've probably heard this statement before. So it's the great equalizer. Take care of yourself. You're the only one you're responsible for. How many's heard something similar in that vein before? All right, the rest of you are lying, and I am expecting you to be down here at the altar call at the end. Um, but it's so true, and this became most true uh, when I was uh, flying on an airplane. I don't know where I was going, uh, but this is years ago. And the flight attendant began her normal routine of giving instruction. And the instruction about the mask that dangles from the, from the, the, cock, or the ceiling part there, um, hey, it won't fill up with oxygen, you won't see it blow up like a bag, but it's coming through. Just make sure that you secure yours first. 
That's our conversation this morning. That's what holiness looks like. Make sure you secure yours first so that you can be freed up to help others secure theirs. Personal holiness is a scary and often a misunderstood thing. If you would go out on the streets any given moment, uh, I almost guarantee nine out of ten people, if you ask them uh, what is the meaning of life, it would often come back to the concept of happiness. Well, my proposal this morning isn't so much about happiness. I believe that God is more about your holiness than he is your happiness. And the irony of it all is that when we pursue holiness, we discover happiness. Amen? Would you turn with me this morning to 1 Peter? We're going to be in the New Testament book of 1 Peter. We'll be in chapter 1. And we'll start at verse 13. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I love this uh, because this talks about a future tense in regards to God's grace. Aren't you glad God didn't just give you enough grace for today? That there's a guaranteed, uh, sealed, signed, whatever, it's been delivered, and you're going to have it tomorrow when you wake up. That's awesome. And it's preparing us for heaven and an eternity with him. Um, So going back in your notes real quick, uh, the intro is this, is that the pursuit of happiness has replaced the pursuit of holiness. And God is more concerned about our holiness than he is our happiness. Uh, If you would turn to your bulletin, there's a little bit of an illustration there. And I'd like to unpack that just to kind of lay down some foundation before we get going. Um, You'll notice that on one side, yeah, the gingerbread man, that's a... That's the one. On the left side, you're going to see that there is a figure of a man. Um, Or generically, somewhat a man. Um, There is a solid line, and that is the person. Now, the dotted line that you see surrounding that is what I would probably describe as righteousness. It's one of those big church words. Uh, And just to unpack that, that means being right with God. It means being right with God. Now, inside, you're going to see this little figure that's mirroring the same thing. Uh, That's what we would call the inner man. That's where holiness starts. So here's the beauty of it all, is that when you say yes to Jesus, and you start becoming a Christ follower, and you're following his path, there is an instantaneous moment in which you are instantly covered. You're covered. God has given you his righteousness, and it's out of grace because we didn't deserve it. But while we are instantly covered and while he sees us that way, his Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. It starts to grow this thing called holiness. So righteousness is kind of on the outside and holiness is kind of on the inside. Uh, You'll notice the difference between the two pictures. Well, the man is not completely filled in. The holiness picture is small. In the next picture over, it starts to grow. 
Now, it never fully arrives, and you will never fully be perfect until we go on the other side of glory. Uh, But there is beauty in the fight for that now. And so while we are covered and while we are free, he's still growing us and training us and shaping us to be more like his son Jesus. So this morning, uh, I wanted to share a C.S. Lewis quote for you just to kind of better illustrate this. He says, you thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. Just so we're all on the same page, uh, how many of you would be just brutally honest enough to say, I have probably sinned in the last 24 hours? Word, deed, and thought. Ooh. Good. So this is the congregation of sinners not so anonymous, right? I'm the president and uh, chief of all sinners. I'm with you. Good. So we're all in the same place. So we recognize that holiness is a, a thing. We, we need holiness. This is how we come across that. Verse 13 again. I'm going to read it one more time. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the crescendo of history. And at his final revelation, that's it. That is the completion to what he's been doing in us. He's brought it full circle. Holiness starts with the mind. You may have heard the phrase that the battlefield is of the mind. Uh, Anything that requires sensory understanding, whether it's through touch or through sight or through hearing, uh, and yes, even taste, that those things are things that enter into our mind. There's a memory. Some say the the longest lasting memory is one that you smell. I still remember the smells I, I witnessed when I was in India and the spices that were there, and those still bring back memories of what that looks like. But we feed our minds in so many different ways. You may have heard the phrase junk in and junk out. What you put into your minds is going to be what manifests itself. It's going to come out. So we understand the mind is the place in which holiness starts. And here's how you counter uh, that and how you feed that in a good and godly way. It is fed by hope. It is fed by hope. Preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope is an all-time deficiency today. We need hope. We need each other to remind us of the hope that we have in Jesus because he's just that awesome. Aren't you glad we served a God who never told a lie? Jesus is coming back, folks. 
We have something to look forward to, and he is the only hope for mankind. But is that true for you? How we battle with the inability to be holy, when we wrestle with guilt and shame and fear, we counter it with hope. And Jesus is the object of that hope. Verse 14 and through 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Now I love the way this passage starts out because it uses the phrase as obedient children. And that language is parental. It's, it's this loving, affectionate Children, please listen to me. As obedient children, this is how you pursue holiness. Let me go on out. Be holy as I am holy. So if you are pursuing holiness, holiness leads to obedience. It leads to obedience. It's not legalism if you love something. You you might think, well, this this challenge of being here uh, four times a month, that's, that's a little bit legalistic for me. I'll tell you what, if you love this church and you love the people that are here, it's not legalistic, it's something that you love. Holiness leads to obedience. And and by the way, Jesus reminds us that obedience leads to joy. John chapter 15. Obey my commands and you will be full of joy. It is grown by being different. Holiness is grown from within by just doing something different. Well, what does that look like? Well, that means that we're not laughing at the same thing the world laughs at. We're not celebrating the same thing the world celebrates. It's doing something different. Now, on the flip side of that, there are a lot of things that are not inherently evil that we often describe as evil. God did not make the internet evil. It's neutral until it gets into the hands of somebody. It can be something that is used for good. It's something that can be used for evil. Holiness is grown by being different. Do something different. This is the language of being set apart or sanctified. That you are doing something different than what the world is doing. Uh, I've noticed that human nature is a lot like water, that we tend to flow in the direction of least resistance. It's really easy for you and I to go back to the old way of which we were living, because that's what we're most familiar with. We have a really hard time of striving towards the things that we, we don't have a really good example for, or we, we haven't really had anyone show us how to do that. What does holiness look like? Thank God he didn't leave us alone to figure, us, figure that out on our own. 
He gave us his word. But if you're like me, you tend to go in the direction of least resistance, and that's going back to what you were most comfortable with, with who you were. If I was to uh, take two core values uh, of Southside Baptist Church um, that that really speak to this concept of holiness, uh, it would be the words excellence. What was the other word? authenticity. It's amazing when you have those two things in the same picture because we can't really have church with, without one of those in the formula. We have to have both in that picture. Now there is an older generation folks that value highly the concept of excellence. Not taking shortcuts. Not going the easy route. Doing things to your ultimate best. There's a younger generation who will tell you their value is authenticity. Now, what is authenticity? It's that concept of being real. It's the idea of removing any masks, the masks even that we wear to church. It's the idea of being real even in our worship, that we're completely unhindered and don't care what anyone thinks about it. We're just going to worship God directly and blatantly and boldly. multi-generational church with a next generation vision is best expressed when all of our generations come together and excellence and authenticity collide. We have holiness. Verse 17. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. And we're just going to kind of stop right in the middle of that statement. Uh, First, we need to acknowledge holiness is terrifying when separated from God. But it is something that is absolutely beautiful in the presence of God. Holiness is terrifying when you are separated from God because God is a good judge. Now, a lot of us kind of go around waiting for the lightning bolt to strike and and always have this sense in which we are feeling condemned. Let me tell you, that's not my God. But he is a good judge. Have you ever thought about Jesus having actually broken the golden rule? What's the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Jesus broke the golden rule because he had done to others just the opposite of what had been done to him. Wow. He is a good judge and he loves us despite our pasts and our history and the things that we keep hidden in secret from everybody else. Holiness is terrifying when separated from God. Here's the illusion that we live in today, is that we are the heroes of our own story. I like the old Western concept in which uh, the good guys always wore the white hat. 
and the bad guys always wore the black hat. Here's the thing. We like to be the guy that's wearing the white hat because it means the bad guy gets it at the end. What we fail to understand is that there is only one hero of this story, and it's Jesus Christ. We want the bad guy to get it until we realize that the bad guy is me. It's absolutely terrifying. But here it is. Because you have that outer righteousness covering, you can experience the other side of holiness where it's absolutely beautiful in the presence of God. That's amazing. That's heaven in a nutshell. The inexhaustible presence of God. The perpetual novelty that he will be new every day. And that you will begin to explore his grace and his kindness and his mercy and his goodness. And wake up the next day and discover you barely scratched the surface. Because it's going to take all of eternity to experience this inexhaustible, amazing, awesome God. You know, I really wrestle with this concept of, of using the word awesome because of my generation, we like to use that word, awesome. Everything is awesome. Those chocolate chip cookies are awesome. We misuse that word because only God is awesome. And we get to experience that when we're pursuing holiness. Uh, verses 18, I'm going to read a chunk of passage here, 18 through 23. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Here it is. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another, Earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but through the living and abiding word of God. That was a a lot to kind of take a bite on. But the bottom line is this. If you are wondering what the will of God is for your life, there's a universal statement. Here it is. The will of God for your life is not about where you go to college or what job you're going to have or what other future decision you are trying to make. The will of God is that you be holy. The will of God is that you pursue holiness. It's amazing when we do that how all of these other big life decisions tend to fall into place. So real quick, Just by a show of hands, uh, I tend to categorize people in two camps. One camp tends to be the dreamer, who is the big, broad-brush-stroke type person. uh, The one who makes the big plans down the road but doesn't know how they're going to get there. Uh, If you are a dreamer, just put your hand up. 
Okay, good. So by default, you are the other side of that coin. You are a detail person. You like the nuts and bolts things, and you're like, Scott, just tell me what I need to do. If that's you, just kind of put your hand up. Okay. This part is for you. So how do we pursue holiness? Number one, put on Christ. Put on Christ. Romans 13, 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Uh, You've heard the statement that the clothes make the man. What happens when you put on Christ? What happens when you decide to start your day with the idea of, I'm going to immerse myself in who Jesus is before I go out into the dark world? If I don't do that before I leave home, uh, then I try to do it before I start my work throughout the day uh, because I would be absolutely terrified to go through a day without having put on Christ. I would be living in constant shame, fear, and guilt, not being reminded of who I've been made. Put on Christ. Secondly, this is the authenticity side of holiness. Name your sin. Name your sin. James chapter 5 reminds us that when we confess to one another, that's the beginning of healing. Now, the millennial generation loves this concept of authenticity in being real, and they'll be the most forthcoming with the things that they've struggled with, but there's more to it than that. Don't just stop there. Don't just wear your sin on your sleeve. Pursue holiness afterwards. Holiness always trumps authenticity. Pursue holiness. Name your sin. And by the way, I'm not talking about like those socially acceptable sins. You know what I'm talking about. Would there be anyone honest enough to say I struggle with gluttony? Oh, so I see the hands kind of going halfway up. Would there be anyone honest enough to say I struggle with gossip? What happens when we start talking about lust? Wow. See, we like to keep our sin just enough in place to where we can acknowledge we're sinners, but it doesn't mean we get to go to the gory details. Can you name the sin? Can you name your sin? It doesn't stop there. Number three, read God's word for God's hope. You want to know where to find daily hope? Go to God's word. It is the best document in regards to life and death and life thereafter. Read God's word for God's hope. If you are in a place that is lonely or feeling rejected or abandoned, read God's word for God's hope. And when your past starts creeping up and starts haunting you, Read God's word for God's hope. Number four. Pray when preparing 
for obedience. Uh, I, I think often of the Daniel 1.8 passage about how Daniel resolved in advance before he was going to be tempted by the king's food. We need to have a game plan to tackle sin. I think some of us, when we first became Christ followers and we were kind of working through some of those uh, early things that that everyone should be wrestling with, we're we're good and we're content and we're fine with battling and being delivered from one or two sins. Maybe maybe the issue of language and how you use language and it's coarse and harsh towards others and you've changed that now Uh, and, and I'm good. I'll just stay right here for the rest of my life and I'm good. Holiness doesn't stop just because you want to. If you're not battling with something, then you're not battling at all. You're not pursuing holiness. If the Lord is not growing you, and there is something that is different about you this year than there was last year, if there's something different about you this year than when you first got started walking with Jesus, then you're not pursuing holiness. So pray when preparing for obedience. And then lastly, I'm going to bring the plane in for a landing here. Preach the gospel to yourself first and then to others. If, if you've grown up in a church dynamic for a long period of time, you, you come across words about correcting and rebuking in Scripture Often, let me just tell you, Christ follower, your goal is to love and to point them to God's word. The Holy Spirit's going to convict people. Don't play police. If we really trust and believe that the Holy Spirit comes to judge and to convict and to draw us closer to God and to be comforted by God, then we need to let the Holy Spirit do his job. You are first responsible for yourself, and the most important thing you have is your own spiritual life, your own pursuit of holiness. What's the gospel? When we say preach it to yourself, what is the gospel? Here's the gospel The God of heaven came to earth as a lowly man to live a life to do it perfectly, to die for you and for me, and to prove that it worked because he rose again three days later. That's the gospel. Christ follower, if you're stuck right now, look back to Christ, pull yourself out, because Jesus didn't pay for your salvation partially. He paid for it in whole, completely, even when you don't feel like it worked. Preach the gospel to yourself, and then you will be prepared to preach it to others. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I am selfish. I am prideful. I am lustful, uh, greedy, all of those things. I need Jesus because he can do it better than I can. One of my greatest convictions as a young believer uh, was the idea that I had a really hard time singing the songs in church because they, they were so much uh, promise-oriented. Like, God, I will follow. God, I will not turn back. Uh, God, I will worship you. And yet, an hour or two later, <laughs> it 
what's left to be shown. And so maybe some men in this room can acknowledge that, and that's why I don't even sing, because I don't want to sing lies. In fact, A.W. Tozer even had a statement about this, that Christians don't need to tell lies, they just go to church and sing them. Aren't you glad that's not the rest of the story? Because in those moments when I start feeling guilty and shameful about singing those awesome truths, every worship song becomes a prayer. And every prayer is, God, may that be true for me. It's the Holy Spirit drawing us closer to himself. Preach the gospel to yourself and then to others. We're going to close it with a word of prayer, and Pastor Gary is going to tell you how you can respond. If what you had heard today is true, and it's true for you, then you need to do something about it. And so let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much that when we are not holy, you are. And when we don't add up, Jesus fills in the gaps for us. And we thank you that while you look at us because we've put on Christ, you see your precious and beautiful and perfect son covering us. But you're growing holiness inside of us. Father, if we're not fighting something, we're not fighting at all. So I just ask, Lord, right now that your Holy Spirit might invade our space that he might begin to explore the chambers of our hearts, that he might reveal anything within us that needs to be nailed to that cross. Bring us into the way of everlasting. Help us to pursue holiness, that we might discover what real happiness is. We thank you that Jesus has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. And it's in his name that we pray and we celebrate and we find hope in. Amen.